0: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University and a special guest, Ricard Carlson from Linnaeus University, Sweden, who is a senior lecturer in psychology and co-editor in chief of the recently launched Meta-Psychology Journal. Thanks for joining us, Ricard. Thanks for having me. Now, I want to start by asking the obvious question. Why start a new psychology journal?
1: Basically, we had this uh, infamous Facebook group, Psychological Methods Discussion Group, and uh, with the discussion there discussion at PsychMap as well, the other other, um, Facebook group that's popular for method discussion and discussion on Twitter and all these blogs, we kept realizing that after a time, things start to get hard to to find. Things were a lot of discussion. It didn't end up anywhere. It didn't get in print, so to speak. And then we start talking about this is a shame. Really, a lot of the th- good things that we have discussing here should be part of the scientific record. In in te- five or ten years, people should be able to go back and, and see this. And so, really, at the start of it, it was about having a a journal like that is some kind of stepping stone between these kind of um, open science and method blogs like Data Collada or uh, 20% uh, Statistician and uh, these kind of blogs and traditional journals. Uh, so it's about giving credit um, mm-hmm. and making things part of the scientific record. Uh, and then we also start talking about everything we, we thought was wrong with the current publishing. And thought that, well, if we're going to make a new journal, we're going to make one where we make it just the way we like it. And then um, we don't have any, uh, anyone to blame when it still doesn't work. <laughs> because really, that, that's just a thing about our journal is that we're trying a lots of new ideas here. And we are not really sure that they are going to solve anything. We're going to try
2: it. And if it doesn't work, we're going to change it. Right on. What are the what are the what are the new ideas? So I I know, but people may be encountering this for the first time because the journals literally just started. They won't be like, oh, I know that article from somewhere. They won't because uh, you've only just started putting them out. So, what are the new ideas?
1: Yeah. Well, for one thing, I don't think that all ideas are new per se. I think what's what's new is that we're taking all uh, lots of good ideas from different journals and putting everything into, into one of the same, you know. For example, we are open access and we don't have any article processing charges. And this isn't really new. There have always been uh, journals like this. And actually I'm going to prepare, I'll start preparing a little, a little list of good journals that have this kind of feature. So that's really not new, but it's new to have a, a method or open science uh, related journal in, those, those, in, in that kind of way. But but there are other journals like uh, the Quantitative Journal in in um, Quantitative Methods in psychology. It's also open access and free of any charges. So that's not one I'm really new. Um, I think our focus on getting uh, blogs and social media discussion into uh, a scientific format that is definitely new. Uh, I think our our new way of doing peer review is uh, there have been some discussions before on, I think uh, the journals, open access journals to have open open peer review as well. But the the idea that the editor will, will curate what's going on on social media and gather everything in a natural flowing discussion. I, I think that that's definitely new, uh, but we're also going for traditional peer review. So, Really, when we look at things of the journal, we are not really um, che- removing things and adding and changing, and we are supplementing things. So we are going to have traditional peer review that is going to be open, uh, but we're also going to have what we call open social media review, where anybody can can comment on, um, um, and we have. Are, I think we're also going to be radical in terms of how much transparency and openness we're going to require and uh, we're going to have badges but basically all articles are going to have the badges because we're going to require open data and open code uh, from, from everything. <laughs> <Yes>. So basically <laughs> the not only, badge only anymore if
2: that's... everyone has to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything comes yeah, pre-badged. But by-
1: Pre-badge, but really some articles don't have any data, so they're not getting any badge. And I'm really conflicted about it because it's going to look like it's it's a bad article because they didn't get any badges, but maybe it's just an opinion article. Um, One thing we're adding there there to that is a new badge. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to have a badge for it, but maybe if we can get the badge, it would be nice about that we have had independent uh, reproduction of the analysis. Uh,
0: uh, so, um, so so that means you're you someone has sent the data and the script to another independent researcher and they've, and they've recreated it, is that correct
1: yes that's correct uh, and right now it's looking at that we're going to have a a grad student who, who we have hired so we're going to do um, reproduction of all the analysis of all papers that are that submitted is right. excellent idea. so and I I think I'm not going to uh, saying anything negative about his skills, R-skills or anything. But the point is that he, he's not going to be an, an, our, our wizard, but going to be a, a good representative of someone who is who knows how to do uh, analysis and so Gosh, on, but, yeah, but not, okay. not, not so a if you, wizard.
2: If, so if you send That's, it to someone really, really, really well familiar with everything, they can poke around and fix it, as opposed yeah. to, here is a normative researcher with normative skills, that's no slam on your uh, grad student. I don't even have normative skills in R half the time. <laughs> and um, but c- can it, can they take the data and provide a code and reproduce the central results of the paper? And if they can't, what is the nature of the discrepancy? Yeah. Is it a small one? Is it like, oh, yeah, this is a because, you know, is it a dropped semicolon or is it an enormous five-sided screw up? Yeah. So that definitely is new. I've never I've never heard of that happening elsewhere before. That's a new one to me. There that are some
1: there, there are some uh, some challenges here. For example, that like we're looking at some some articles have uh, simulations uh, that were are will take right. weeks to run or something like that, and then we're going to have to look at how can we get them? Can we get them to converge somehow? Maybe they can do a small simulation. Maybe they can't. They won't be able to and um, get exactly the the right numbers, but within sampling error. Then, if they can run it for like a, a thousand samples instead of one hundred thousand samples or whatever, it's necessary.
2: Yeah. Right. Do they do, do they converge? If you got like a massive, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Or or you could borrow a supercomputer. Um, <laughs> that's it. No, seriously. If there's anyone listening who gets a uh, supercomputer time, if you have got cluster time at your university, stop maybe, stop mining Bitcoin. Using yeah, university stop, stop stop mining Bitcoin clusters. using university resources and get on the phone to Rickard and offer offer use of your cluster for doing massive simulations. That's an excellent I idea. Selfish, Yes, selfish little
0: beggars. I think this is really, uh, re- really important because what I've noticed um, happening more and more is people say um, it's almost virtue signaling going, our paper has an open script, but you go and try and reproduce it, but you only notice they've only actually done an open script for a small portion of their paper. Oh, what? Yeah. Is that normal?
2: Well, it's happened quite is this a bit. It's just like pre-register the first result, and then uh, there's all these just, results in really yeah. four more studies. You go, oh, we totally predicted this. It's pre-registered, you lying bastard. Uh, I mean,
0: I, I, I don't think people have doing this sort of in a, in a nefarious way, um, but they're not they're not sharing the complete code. Um, but by doing this and having um, sort of a normative analysis or someone with normative skills doing it, I think this is a, this is a great solution. Um, for actually solving this. Mm. Now, you you touched on this before, but um, you mentioned that um, your journal is is open access in the sense that anyone is open to um, to, to read the papers that are published there. But on top of that, which is quite unique, is in that authors that are submitting are also that there's no need to pay um, um, article um, processing fees. Uh, How do you do that? How how are you? Um, we we have journals like um, the Nature Communications who are charging close to five thousand US to process an article. Um, yet here you are. <laughs> yeah, it's five thousand at the moment. Um, five grand. Uh, Metapsychology is doing this for free. How how are you pulling this off?
1: Obviously, there's not nothing is free. <laughs> Someone is paying, and 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 uh, so. The one who is paying is, of course, our editorial work, and our, everyone from our editorial board, our advisory board are helping helping out and volunteering. But we are are obviously getting paid at our our department. So, of course, um, our department head also have has to see, think that well, this is okay that you're spending your time working with these kind of things. And so that that's one part of it. Uh, but that is really. Always free on other journals as well, right? Uh, yeah. Elsevier or, or Nature Spring or whatever, they're they're not paying people for that kind of work, and and I think that, that that's the that's the big part. the 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 publishing costs is not a huge amount uh, when you take away the profits and so, um, but we're getting support for Linnaeus University, and they've had this uh, way option to publish. Uh, Journals in this way for uh, uh, I think fifteen or twenty years now, so it, it's mm-hmm. it's really not really nothing new. What's new is the way it's getting published, and, and it has only only been national journals before. And actually, we're looking at. Uh, I was recently in a meeting with uh, open access publishing in, uh, in northern countries, and there there is a big um, big change going on, and there they're trying to. Uh, Actually, it's it's the it's a Royal Swedish Library, and they're going to more or less enforce certain standards that open access is going to be free to read, but also free to publish. That you're not going to have uh, pub- uh, APCs, essentially. Right. and they're looking yeah. at uh, a model in where departments are getting funding that they can then <clears throat> give to to, to journals, uh, and of course our department and our university they want us to apply for grants to uh, mm-hmm. for, for, of course and we're going to do that as well but uh, right now they are they are very happy with this initiative and uh, the funding is there and basically i would say that it was underused actually and i think that that's that's the general uh, <clears throat> The general picture in in Sweden, at least, that there are universities that have funding to fund these kind of journals. So, if anyone is looking to start a journal, you should try and fund and, and found it in uh, in relation to a Swedish university. And I think there there's money for it. And what what makes it possible to be so so cheap? Well, there are a few things we don't <laughs> we don't offer. We offer very minimal copy editing. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, authors will be asked to collaborate <laughs> in making the final uh, version. Uh, yep. So, if you submit in uh, LaTeX, you will have to uh, help out with this. Likewise, if you submit in Word, they will will give you a, a Word template, and we will ask you to tie it to this, of course. We're going to have, have some copy assistance, but it's not going to be this kind of nice thing where, where everything just happens by itself. It's more like IKEA, you know, you, you get a, a box of furniture and you have to build them for yourself. That's our, our kind of publishing strategy.
0: Uh, of course, it's, a, it's, it's uh, based in Sweden, yeah. so it's uh, wouldn't be any other way. Uh, now, one thing that really strikes me about the journal is uh, when, you, when when I was reading the, um, the, the inaugural issue, which has the editorial written by yourself and the board, it really seems like um, this is the to- type of journal that would be- if journals were completely new in the year 2018, this is how you would make a journal. And it's a real shame when you see these traditional, sh- traditional, or more conventional journals, which seem to be uh, caught up in these uh, these old ways, you know, with with page charges and page limits and referencing limits. So,
2: oh, colour colour figure charges, Dan.
0: Yeah, it's, it's- coloured <laughs>
2: pixels are more expensive, mate. You do not understand. You, you the struggle it's is
0: real. Cr- it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I think one of the one of the great elements um, with that is that um, each each of the papers. Um, have their own web page and as part of that, um, people can do commentaries and um, uh, m- you know, make, make comments and even do replications of the actual papers. Can you tell us a little bit a little bit more about that?
1: Uh, well, we haven't figured out exactly the technical details yet. Uh, we are, we're working on, on two systems that are uh, free and open source that making this ha- possible. One of the system is the open journal system. Mm-hmm. It's basically a, a, a like Scholar One or a Manuscript Central system mm. for editor Flow. Uh, it's not doing everything you want. For example, I would like to have full transparency in that they could invite people to just spectate within their Toro system. And that's not possible yet. So right now we're working with manually uh, mirroring everything to, to the uh, OSF, um, Open Science Framework. That's also... Uh, Great system that is helping us with lots of things. When it's free, and we're looking at having our having our preprint service through the Open Science Framework. You know, like Sci Archive, but we're going to have our preprints and meta psychology, so it's going to be, be through that system. And and currently, I'm I'm still working out the technical details. What is best to track the the papers through uh, the OSF or through through our uh, open journal system and so on. But basically is that when when an uh, an editor that, that when publish a paper that we have we are kind of responsible to see that things come together and we we we're anticipating that articles will be commented on back and forth and so on and we're trying to link this together. What we're not having quite yet is um, we don't have any uh, commenting fu- function like anonymous. Just leave a comment on our website, but we can have that through the OSF. So uh,
2: right, okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, so there yeah. are there's some technical details <laughs> to, to to make this work, but it shouldn't it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a problem actually when when, when we get it, it down. But 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 the, the real um, the main thing is having uh, editors that are. Um, yeah, that that we have a, a look on our papers and so on, and I, I don't think until we have extreme amount of publications, this is going to be very hard. I think we're going yeah, to right. see that well, this is continuing, this is related to to this paper and so on, and and I think we need to have some kind of way of see how things are related, um, because most of our articles, I think, is going to have. Uh, a reply, or rejoinder, or a comment, or a follow-up, or a replication, or, or whatever. Uh, and and hopefully, I it's it's not one hundred percent decided yet. So I maybe I'm I'm going to get some some uh, criticism for for saying this here right now. But we're looking at the current science and how we can interconnect. With them as well. For example, if you if you write articles based on the current science work, um, so we're 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 looking at what are the new ways with new technology so we can connect
2: connect articles. Right on. I saw something today um, actually that made me think of this. It was a few hours ago. There is an open access, free to publish medical journal that is kind of for doctors' case studies. It's called uh, Curious. C U R E U S. I'm not supposed to. Sure, if it's supposed to be like Linnaeus or if it's supposed to be curious, but spelt wrong. It probably has some Latin meaning. I have no idea about. Um, it's it's free O A, but. If everything's really grimy, if you uh, if, if everything's if, if it's not laid out right, if you haven't done a uh, if the, the, the language isn't good enough, if the, the the graphs are muddy, if things don't make sense, you don't adhere to their formatting rules, and you must adhere to the rules, but if you don't, you can get charged for copy editing. Because that's the one thing, or you just want to. You don't want to. You don't want to do that yourself every time you publish something. You're like, now I'm trying to do science here, and I'm fixing up the, the clauses in this woman's sentences. What the hell's going on? What was he thinking? What would you? instead of doing that, they have a, a pay for copy editing function, and it's not actually that much because they probably have a, a freelance service. I think it's 140 bucks or something similar. So if you just can't get it together yourself, or you don't have time to come to the table with your own formatting. Then um, you just pay straight to the copy editing service, and the copy editing service fixes it up for you. So that's I, I I don't mind that for a couple of reasons. First of all, a lot of some people don't have time, especially if you're if you're a PhD, MD, and you're trying to publish a case study. Um, you know, it's probably not your primary job. But you found something interesting, you want to stick it in the research record. Fine. Maybe maybe you don't have time, but it's also it's not a lot of money, and it's transparent. They're saying this is how much it costs to do the copy editing. You're paying for the copy editing. You're not like paying to keep the lights on in here or anything like that. The journal is free. The copy editing is not free. So, you know, there's uh, there's more than more than one way to handle that. But your your version, I take it, is like go away and fix your paper up until.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's essentially people. If if they really if if someone needs. Uh if a, if a paper requires extensive copy editing, we will uh, the people will have to hire that help for themselves. Maybe we can give some give some pointers. Maybe our copy editor. Uh, um, our a copy editor assistant wants to make a few extra bucks on the side, maybe. <laughs> yeah, th- 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 that's what, that's one way. But but we want, we we don't want to have any cash flow in or out, and it's it's right. more more of a, a philosophical s- statement that we want to make sure that it's it's going to be completely completely free. Uh, there are other models, and they, they have their pros and cons. For example, I think the the, the Colabra, um uh, yeah. it's, it's a really good journal in that they have uh, you pay for what you need and it, it's similar that way so they have have, have low fees and they have this kind of where where, um, where where you contribute to get some um, you get some some back and so uh, but, we, but we're trying to aim to just have it free and let's see um as, as long as we have some funding uh, it's not going to be a problem yeah right but it's really tempting to say that well if we can't reproduce your uh, your analysis within three hours we're going to charge you that would have been great
0: mm. <laughs> yeah that's how you do it
2: ah <laughs> uh, yeah i like it um... <laughs> Well, it certainly puts uh, it certainly puts paid to like the the you know why do we have a two and a half thousand dollar APC? Oh, we have so much value added in our journal. Copy editing is always mentioned. It's always mentioned in that list of what are all the things that we do for you. This is what we need the money for. You know, there's never any mention of sort of. And I always thought that that was disingenuous, just because. These are for-profit companies, and they never mention the fact that they're making money, even though they very obviously are or they wouldn't exist. But they leave that off the list every single time. It's always, oh, we've got to pay everyone to keep the website together. We've got a ton of back-end stuff. Um, We've got permanent staff who do the sort of non-academic or quasi-academic functions. And don't forget the copy editing. Well, the copy editing apparently is $140. So... (laughs) The rest of the the rest and you know, copy editing does not get more complicated really between different formats. It's all kind of especially if someone's like paid to do it on a scientific basis. I mean the things are very it's not like suddenly one of them's a novel and the other one is a four page physics paper. You know? It's always it's always more or less the same kind of thing. I'm Damn. I'm, I'm, I'm one
1: thing in the it is it's true that that some things that for example, we're we're not going to do any advertising. Uh, we don't have any money to put put on that. And, and of course, I think I I don't have much uh, insight in how to how it works. But I think that they are putting a, quite a lot of money on, on advertising and so on. And, and uh, at least yeah, judging right. by all the spam you get, so. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: th- we, we, that's we don't th- have th- that. To, to the- the, the, I think the single the single best two advertising things you can do is, A, stuff like this. Um, so, you know, any engagement stuff that you could normally do is obviously awesome. But the other thing is um, I know an awful lot of an awful lot of journals. I think that the, the best increase in profile is always the fact that people go out and solicit, like see, so they hear that something's going on and say, look, this is obviously we'll review this, but we'd be really interested in the topic. Um, And you see papers like that do really well, whether it's off a preprint or because there's, you know, so you know someone's got a grant for something, there's some talk behind the scenes as much as like you see the fit working really well. And if you're able to curate things when they come in and have them make sense, then you're probably able to have a reasonable guess beforehand what will or won't interest the reviewers that are going to see a topic like that. And if those papers blow up and if they're, if they're chosen because they're of a lot of interest to people. Um, obviously, you want to avoid some kind of nepotism, but you, you do know what you're about and you know who's working on that kind of stuff. So Dan's had that happen a couple of times. Um, people have seen preprints and then gone, you should send it to our journal. Not so it's like, mm. you should send it to our journal and I'll take care of you, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But more <laughs> sort of, that's exactly the kind of shit that we'd like to publish. So, um, you know, please consider sending it to us. Um, I think those things are gonna go way further than you know. It's like g- greetings, greetings. Insert researcher field here. Have you considered publishing <laughs> in meta psychology? It's yeah, yeah. that shit. That's that's not good.
1: Our system that is supposed to insert greetings and name of people and so on, it's 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 working so poorly anyway. So we're just sending out things like thank you, Doctor <laughs> Null, for for accepting this uh, Dr. In- Null. <laughs> this invitation. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's a Dr. Null out there somewhere. who's probably got a great Google Scholar page. Yeah, so... Have you seen the Google Scholar page for the the researcher called Et Al? That guy is killing it.
0: Millions of citations, this guy.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's great. That's that's, That's, that's wonderful. He's done 11 million papers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's just super great. No, but... um, we, we're going we, we are going to solicit papers in that way and I think we're really upfront cool. about that that in that we we're, we're looking to have um, we're specifically looking for people to have if they have written a, a, an interesting blog or something and we, we say that well we would like you to convert this uh, to a paper so and we, we're trying to be quite upfront with this and also uh, I think that another, aspect here is that we are going to look specific at people who have got their papers rejected for, for reasons that we do not think are reasons for reactions. For example, we have the file drawer reports where we specifically want to publish uh, things that aren't publishable right now in other journals. Mm. Um, so, um, And in this, this kind of file drawer reports, we basically want people to scrape the bottom of the drawer. And they want people to, to kind of publish things that they are ashamed of uh, because we see uh, there, there's a certain value in these kind of studies that never would have seen in life today before to have a place somewhere. It doesn't mean that we want bad stuff. <laughs> I'm not trying to get that. Basically, but what we would do, hmm. the optimal file drawer paper would be a series of studies where some are. Quite good, a few good experiments, but also a few failed experiments. And with failed, I don't. It could be that there are no no statistically significant result, but it also could be that they are failed in other ways. And the point of them is trying to get uh, a more representative um, data out there published, and also for us to learn from. They're experimenting, the studies that people have done, uh, learn from mistakes and so on. Uh, so we're looking at uh, when we're evaluating them. It's not so much about they found found something sexual novel, more like, well, okay, could you make any sense of these eight studies or five studies or four studies that you've done and was just put in the file drawer? What, what, what where do they fit into the more general literature? Are are these uh, studies that you think that well I, 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 I ran these experiments and I generally think that no, no meta-analysis should ever include them in a meta-analysis because they are there's a huge problems with confounds or whatnot. Fine yeah but it should in the end, I think be the meta-analysis choice how to interact with that kind of data. And uh, so we're getting an opportunity for people to publish uh, research that normally wouldn't get published. So in, in that sense, normally we are, we're looking at publishing um, meta-science, meta-psychology pieces. But in that sense, mm-hmm. we're open to all kind of submissions.
0: I think that's an excellent idea. Um, as, as far as I know, um, at, least, at least within my area, I've only seen one case. Of a very similar paper to that, it was actually done within oxytocin research. Um, oh, no, was that the,
2: the we we our thirty studies or something? And this is we open our file drawer completely, and oxytocin is a sack of bullshit study. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Not only because it was, was explicit, but it made you sad. So I was I was super in favour of that paper. <laughs> that one was
0: interesting because it was uh, specifically looking at oxytocin and trust, um, and mm. they basically said, "Hey, we've, we've we've published one paper, and it was uh, it was wildly significant." But then here are the seven other papers that we didn't actually publish. Um, so that really put the last nail in the coffin of this whole oxytocin and trust idea. Um, and that uh, that really wouldn't have happened. Um, I think it was actually quite bold for the journal because it, it was a pretty like it's a pretty decent journal that it was published in. Um, but um, that's that's really the
2: only case that I've seen. Well, yeah, and, you can you, If you've got a big enough negative result that's careful enough, if you've checked it a lot, if you're the same place that publishes the positive results, then you can- most Most journals, even the stuffier ones, can kind of see an argument for that. But if you're just someone who's out in the world and you do a good study and you get a single negative result or even like a small string of them- it's much more difficult to get that kind of negative result published. They're not all made. They're not all made equal, you know. It's yeah. pretty easy to get a ton of interest for a massive failed replication. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to say uh, this particular contentious result. We checked it carefully on a reasonable sample. You can get that published, but sort of, you know, yeah. anything anything where you're not, you don't have any leverage to make people pay attention, or you don't have some kind of name to Named trade on. Yeah. Those things still get shelved all the time. You've got to remember the meta science bubble, Dan. You know, there's an awful mm-hmm. lot of people who know an awful lot about methodological development. They're big supporters of open culture. They seriously give a shit. And it's like, I don't know what single digit percentage of researchers that is, but it's still very few people just because we talk about it all the time. I reckon you could go walking around. I always think of this. Could I walk around in this department and knock on doors? like a goddamn mormon and go excuse me sir have you ever read this book on open science and they'd go what are you talking about actually that, so- that, that,
1: that is kind of i have a colleague he's he's kind of always saying that about me saying that okay did you bring did you bring the holy bible this time as well or what are other scriptures <laughs> that you're so me the scriptures uh, so he's calling me a mormon or uh, or equivalent of that so, uh, I think there's, there's a point I it's, in it. In spreading uh, the gospel. It's,
0: it's so necessary, though. Like, we, we kind of think within our bubble, like everyone knows about this. But I still, at least once a week, will have a conversation with someone and they'll go, oh, I'm going to have to stop you there, Dan. What's a preprint? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to walk them through. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I we went just... to
2: give a talk on uh, open science at one of the Harvard Public Health places a little while back and I had sort of five things to get through. And I only got to the first two because there were so many questions. It's like, really? Is, is that how it works? We don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay, just hang on. Then I thought, oh, I thought like half of the people would know half of the stuff and you'd be able to go quickly. But every single item you're digging in and every like uh sorry um i I hate to stop you in the middle of a sentence but (laughs) and it's yeah i got 40 percent of my talk done it was uh it was it was really eye-opening because i mean jesus they're at harvard you don't i mean it's the its reputation precedes it and all that bullshit but you'd expect them to be on top of what was happening in the general environment and it's such a i mean there's plenty of normal old school started in the nineteenth century journals that still haven't paid the slightest bit of attention to a ton of this stuff. You know? What was that what was that thing that um that Larkin did the other day did a blog post. is like I just read four issues of JPSP <laughs> and they're they're recent and they're pretty bad. It's just mm. I mean, these are sort of fact and fingered from start to finish. So it says, yeah. You 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 can't you can't ever conclude of this. There's a ah the work is done here. That's fine. Everyone everyone go home. We've got good systems now. Everyone go home. It's still sort of you know ongoing. Mm. I think
1: mm. one thing we talk about um, in, re- in relation to that that's that's we don't. I said before, we have badges. Everybody gets all badges. One badge that lots of the, lots of the articles is not going to get is the pre-registered badge because, of yeah, course, right. you, you can't you can't have a pre-registered file drawer empty.
2: <laughs> you <No>. cannot
1: <laughs> uh, uh, and, and turn your blog into a paper is not going to be pre-registering. And actually, th- this is one of the things, one of the big challenges we we had. I wouldn't say a fight. Well, well, it could you could call it a fight when we we had uh, lots of. Of heated argument discussion about this is because we got this about pre-registration in that some of us in our, race or our board were really found found of uh, of pre-registration and and then we have this problem in that well a lot of the content we want to get out is not pre-registered and what what does that mean and and, and, and so on so um uh, yeah but that, that's really that's really one thing we were looking at of course we love pre-registration but sometimes it's it's not possible.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, that, that's one of the um, interesting themes that it's, that's that been coming up in, in a lot of the, these recent episodes we've been doing is that we're in this tricky transition period where a lot of people actually want to do open science, but they can't for a number of reasons. And one of them is a lot of people's research was people were submitting to IRBs years ago. And- um, when that's the case um, and you didn't actually get approval to um, to release people's data publicly and it's a pain in the ass to actually get re- retrospective um, uh, approval to share people's data, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just not practical. <laughs>
2: especially, especially if you've done three different jobs in two years, you're moving between departments. Can you imagine me writing back now to <laughs> the University of Sydney for like something where I got ethics approval in 2014? Oh, do you mind if I do you mind if I share the data? They'd be like, "Who are you again?" Oh, yeah, I left here and then I went somewhere else and then I went somewhere else and now I'm at this other place. Um, yeah, but send me, send me a, send me a form that says I can uh, send out all the data that you've probably forgotten about. It's probably supposed to be destroyed under ethical principles anyway. You know, in Australia, they have this thing. I don't know if you know this, Ricard. You're supposed to- Is it seven years, Dan? After seven years, you're supposed Se- to shred seven, everything? Seven
0: years and 15 for clinical.
2: Yeah, so that's obviously an impossible requirement if you have a three-year PhD. You're like writing back to an apartment full of people you don't know. Oh, do you mind shredding everything at the back of drawer B in a filing cabinet <laughs> they put in the basement? <laughs>
1: How the fuck are you supposed to pull that off? We have something similar in Sweden because, we, uh, but it's widely misunderstood that we have a requirement to uh, archive everything for a period of time. I think it's five or seven years. Um, hmm. But this has kind of turned into uh, a promise that we will, in that after that period of time, that it's most likely that we will shred it if we, if we can't keep it for uh, for. Uh, for logistical reasons or something, that we are allowed to f- f- shred it, in that a lot of researchers have, have gone out and promised their, their, uh, their participants that they are going to shred it after that, that period of time. Oh, uh, right. um, but it also, d- depending on what we're doing with the data and so on, uh, we, we, if it's ongoing and so on, and we have published on it, we might have to, to keep it in some form. Uh, and I, I don't think it's a. It's a, a a coincidence that we're starting this journal in Sweden because Sweden we have had a uh, lots of openness and transparency in uh, a long time it's 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 a really part of the uh, constitution in Sweden in that the oh,
2: constitution
1: Yeah 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 for example here, right now if any of you would like to see all my emails you can do it you can read them It's public oh, it's public you, domain you,
2: yeah you're not going to be you're not going to get them um, you're not going to get Brian One synced. No one's going to, no <laughs> one's going to, a journalist is not going to Freedom of Information Act your do, your journals. You, you already did it yourself. Do you also uh, have the same
0: rule like we have here in Norway it. in that you, you can actually request to see anyone's tax return?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's also open. Um, most of the things and, so, so in in the and obviously these things aren't really enforced. People aren't actually taking advantage of this. But but in, in terms of a lot of these things, what well, we, about open data and so on? The way I view uh, the law in Sweden, we we have to oblige anyway because uh, yeah. But but then there there's the, this new um, new legislation from the European Union about uh, how to treat. Uh, identity of, uh, of of participants in uh, databases so on so things are getting getting a bit trickier uh, <clears throat> one thing I hope that we we will be able to do is working towards being better at uh, making data anonymous and I, th- I think this is yeah, a, right. a, a big problem in that you know people think that they have made their data anonymous but they really haven't if you know like age uh, gender and uh, you know uh, that a person has a a weird illness or something and you know it was collected at uh, what part of uh, what county was collected and so on. And basically you will know who who the person is. It's so easy to, to backwards identify people. And also I think from an ethical point of view is that even if you aren't sure that you can backwards identify people, if people... Ha, are under the impression that well, I'm sure that that is the guy, or who, guy who that is my neighbor and or that that is my wife in the dataset. I, I'm I'm 100 sure of it, even if they aren't. If they shouldn't be sure about it, uh, that's a problem as well. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a real to solve how we're going to uh, re- properly uh, de-identify datasets. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen a few. Uh, I saw recently on Twitter, someone's put out like a, an R script. No, sorry, an R package, which can help you do this. And one of the things that it does is um, if you have certain ages, it'll just basically, rather than making it a continuous variable, it will just make it a categorical variable between 18 and 25 and do all the certain things to make it a little bit harder. Um, to 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 do that because it's a massive challenge, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't solved it yet. Obviously, because it's probably pretty difficult.
1: Yeah, and this is one of the kind of things that I, I'm thinking a lot about. It, in that in APA, it's kind of most article we we always collect exact age. I don't know why we always collect exact age, but that's a problem because it makes it so easy to identify people. If you if you just collect data on on your on your uh, on, on college students, for example. It's very likely that you as an experimenter, when you look at you see exact age and you see, oh, dear, oh 47. I know 47 male undergraduate students that I collected here. <laughs> you know <laughs> who it is, right? Mm. Uh, and and uh, sometimes I think we are collecting uh, unnecessary data we're not going to use anyway. So. Um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. We, we, we're, we're getting problems with our data that we don't really have. And I think that, uh, yeah, if we're going to go for full openness and transparency, we're going to solve this problem. And I think people have just ignored them because they're saying, no, well, nobody's going to look at my data anyway. So I can just collect it. It doesn't matter if I, I know who's, who's in this data set, nobody is going to see and uh, i th- i think that that's that's a huge problem we're going to tackle and we we made a promise that if people say want to send something to our journal and they say that well we can't check we can't identify properly then we're going to work towards making this happen yeah so we we, right we, we see that as, as a as a challenge
2: yeah baby baby steps i had a, a phd um I, uh, I still we haven't Published this study yet? But um, every single person in the sample was nineteen. Right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Figure out who that was. But you know, rare rare, rare disease, small town, uh, aberrant age, much much easier. Especially if it's something you don't want people to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're the only one in the village with herpes, Dan. Oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, I, I was trying to keep that under my hat, not literally, but you know, I didn't want people to know.
1: No, but for yeah, example, we we done the discrimination research, uh, and and okay. and then depending on the level of uh, of precision in, in what kind of work, uh, we applied for lots of uh, lots of job openings and with with fake applications and so on, and and then if it's really specific, the the, the oh this is the this is this kind of work is construction company in this town or whatever, it's going to be so very obvious what it is so um and
2: yeah
0: uh yeah
1: so we're really
2: gonna go large metropolitan organization rather than yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> name, name the company yeah. and
1: I, I think that uh what pre-registration is going to help with this as well because if people know what kind of analysis they're going to do beforehand if that's possible then don't have to just collect everything. Oh, we have to collect this and we have to collect, collect that. Maybe, maybe we can use that for something. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to use age as a covariate. Maybe not. Maybe we're going to use mm. um, count. We're going to uh, splice the data up on, on counter level or using counter level as, as a, a cluster on counter level or whatever. Or maybe we're not going to do that. And, and this kind of um, rubber band problem with the type of analysis and the research question we have beforehand might be a reason why we have have the need to collect lots of data for things that we're actually not going to use or or it's not central for our research Uh, but but really I I have a lot of sympathy for how hard it can be we're we're writing up a a, a grant right now on open science um, open science project um, uh, and uh, it's, it's about, about, about co-authorship co- and gender and, and, and publication uh, across time for research and so on. And really, we would like to, have, we would like to say that, well, we can pre-register our hypothesis and, and data analysis plan and so on. But really, I, I can't for life of me do it. I have to see the data before I can make sense of it. So uh, yeah. th- that's what we wrote uh, after a long dis- discussion about what we're going to do. We actually wrote that okay, we're going to do cross validation. I'm uh, going to have a small portion of the data and play around with, uh, and then we're going to pre-register and do cross validation. And right on. Th- that's why, that's yeah, one, way to, one way to solve it. So I I don't think we can we can uh, be one hundred percent dogmatic on these issues and and i think that is one of the thing uh, things i learned when working with this journalist a lot of these issues are a bit harder (laughs) it's easy to to sit on 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 the to sit on the side and say, well, everything should be pre-registered and all data should be open, everything is just going to be... And then we're working yeah. on, we have we have real issues. For example, we say that everything, of our, our all papers we are getting into our journals, uh, they're going to be immediately put on social media and it's just going to be open, transparent. And it's a hard irony that the first paper that was submitted to a journal, they wrote a cover letter saying that, well, well, um, um, and explaining for some reason that and there are good reasons and it's going to turn out going to be transparent that we couldn't put this out during data collection because it could be a problem with the data collection then. And we were asked that yeah, that's true. <laughs> so
2: our, our, our very first <laughs> mission
1: is actually it's it's secret.
0: Okay. We well, gotta be you gotta be flexible yeah. for these type of things. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, that's a, I was gonna ask you actually, is yeah, that's a, a challenge that you didn't expect. Um one of the, the questions I I really wanted to get to is like not, you, people continually talk about oh we should start our own journal from scratch what's the single hardest thing that has been like the the, the the single least tractable challenge from starting a journal from scratch it can be something we've already said we don't have to backtrack but what was the what was the hardest thing i
1: think is the person as I it's it's all is the um, uh, DOI numbers really (laughs) yeah yeah, and 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 especially with with felix schoenbrott who wants a a number for everything no there i said it no but (laughs) uh, (laughs) no it's just an example but 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 the biggest challenge has actually been uh I think all these kind of little details to make things work and we say, oh, yeah, yeah we're going to put it through there and we're we'll signing a number there and everything. And then, no, that's not going to work because it's not going to cross-reference correctly and, and so on. And this kind of technical aspects of uh, where we track papers and so on, we, we have had some, uh, some a lot of discussion. It, it's been, been a really big, big headache, mainly because I think this is, quite boring so, so I, yeah. I, I'm not very motivated to solving these problems
2: uh, but <laughs> that's but, not that is not what I would expect the answer to be is it it's hard to get it to you know I had no. to get curation sorted out there's the, there's a, the
1: a, a, another answer as well and the other answer is getting everybody to agree on anything at all and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and
2: three open th- scientists a, four opinions a challenge
1: yeah, no, and and, um... uh, and as you can expect, if you're looking at our editorial board, you would you would see that we have quite a few strong-willed people. So getting mm. everybody to uh, agree on everything it's been a a, a real real challenge, uh, actually. And um, and um, because when we started this journal, everybody's like, "Oh, we're going to do this like a dream journal with everything everything I was thinking we could do and so on," and and everybody's dream is not exactly the same and, mm. and, and we, we can't do everything. For example Felix's dream seems to be to have a lot of DOE numbers um, uh, and Marcel van Assen he really likes pre-registration and so on and, and
2: mm. we,
1: they're going to be give and take but I think we have a lots of good discussion uh, um, and we are, I think we have always been able to, to reach kind of consensus of things and We have an interesting journal structure that we don't have one one editor-in-chief, but we're two co-editor-in-chiefs. So for those kind of decisions, uh, me and Ulximak have to fight it out. (laughs) Um, And we we can can move it to a a board decision if we can't agree on things. Um, But in some ways, I think this this was obviously the hardest part. But then again, it was much easier than I would have anticipated.
0: Huh. now let's um let's fast forward five years time how how would you define if your journal has been successful I've noticed that there isn't a single mention of the word words impact factor on your journal's website um, so how would you actually do this say in five years time well I, I think that in a sense that I I
1: certainly hope that our journal will be successful. And that we have papers that the people publish and people read and people cite and, and connect with, and we get lots of commentaries. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a living, breathing thing. That said, personally, I would think that even if we fail, sort of, sort of, sort of say, uh, as a journal and get, get uh, an, a competition takeover, but we manage to get our ideals through then I think we have succeeded. If in five years uh, perspectives of Circle Local Science uh, are open access and have no APS charges and have requirements of open data and and open code and have adopted everything that we want to have, and now they are just running in circles and laughing at us and uh, nobody's going to send to us anymore when they have made their journals so much better, then we won. Even if we have failed. Uh, But I don't really think that this is going to happen, but I think that there the are two, th- two things. that uh, we're, we're creating a journal, but we are mostly concerned, at least mostly concerned, with changing the field. And uh, if the field changes in other ways uh, as, a, as a result of are you not know, putting pressure on things, then that's also fine with me. So I would rather look at how, how has the field changed, how has the publication changed. Uh, game changed in five years and can we see that we have contributed to it somehow uh, that is one aspect otherwise I think that I, my, my hope for, for the future is that metapsychology is going to be the number one journal for the very small field called metapsychology and <laughs> um, uh, Dealing with with this kind of this, this kind of papers, but also that we're going to open up and be a uh, a good first outlet for uh, meta analysis uh, and replication studies and and the, and this kind of in in a, in a broader sense, you know, like uh, psychological review have a lot of review papers. I hope that we will we, people will see that well, we can submit meta analysis or, or or similar papers um, to meta psychology. So I hope that we will be. We would be popular in, in that sense, but as to impact factor, well, impact factor is a funny measure because if I understood it correctly, um, just a few papers with lots of citation can get it up really high. But yeah, uh, but it's also the, the 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 denominator, and 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 I think that if we get quite a few file drawer papers, which I hope. I think that they're not going to be cited as much.
0: <laughs> no, the oxytocin one's been cited a ton.
2: Yeah, yeah. But Yeah, but, but individual ones stand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Imagine yeah. that was imagine one of the ones out of that was from like I said, from uh, Frank McHugh in the University of Southern Western Internal Iowa. You know, it's like I mean, it's it's important that it's known. It's the existence of things like that. A lot of the time is is of most use when someone's trying to aggregate all the information that's available. It's not necessarily frontline reading. We expect mm. people will have more interest in prospective ideas because you know we're trying to find stuff out. But if you're trying to aggregate everything that's there, it's super important that all the investigations of everything that's there are collectively represented. So, you know, if you your goal can't really be if you co- if you're committing to publishing stuff like that, your goal is never going to be oh, we need to maximize the individual impact of this thing. You know? It's a it's more a service model than a kind of uh a, mm. a glamour model of how to understand publishing so it's it's you know, paradoxically the impact factor and that's how I have to say it because I hate the damn things um, the, the, that will go lower as you start to provide more utility to both the researchers and the people who are trying to aggregate research there's nothing you can do about that Yeah, mm. but, th-
1: but then again we see that uh, a journal like um, uh, Frontiers journals they have got their impact factor up a bit anyway, with, with this kind of they, they don't have lots of reactions and so on, so it's really hard to predict. Uh, of course, the traditional journals they have tried to game the impact factor. Uh, <laughs> have you course. considered
0: citing a paper within our journal? Yeah, 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 but, but, uh, but, but it's hard to predict
1: things like, for example, that because we anticipate that a lot of our our uh, We'll publish a lot of controversial things and, and and people will write rejoin this in commentaries I think we will be really high on self citations and that mm. might uh, help our impact factor <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, yeah yeah uh, j- 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 just by uh, seeing that the, those kind of things but mm. and and I also have a uh, uh, hopefully that we will, people will will submit things that got for example um, reacted as psychological methods or perspectives of on psychology and journals like that uh, that are really good and are, are going to be cited a lot actually so we're hoping for that because i think that in in normal publishing it's so much randomness whether you get something published or not or not. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And if if we take the the scraps, so to say, I don't really think that the the the, <laughs> <laughs> the leftovers are much worse than the things that got published. Unfortunately, for a, for a lot of lot of journals, uh, and I don't know what kind of rejection rates we're going to have, because with our with our preprint first policy. Once it passed desk reaction it gets published as a preprint in our preprint series so we can't we can't reject things to hide things right mm. there's, there's no point in doing that um, uh, it's out there anyway so that kind of uh, um, that that kind of idea from reviewers point or editors point in you know, like hiding bad signs to avoid embarrassment that's not going to happen um, so we we're going to have our our incentives are more like going to okay like how can we make this paper as good as possible to make mm. this, to improve yeah. this paper as much as possible yeah. and yeah
0: well um before before we finish up for today's episode we always like to ask our guests some uh, quick fire questions about their career yeah. uh so for you ricard i want to ask uh, in regards to uh, psychological science what have you changed your mind about recently
1: I think I think i'm going I'm going to say that uh, if it's okay to, to stay with metaizes, so I'm going to say that I'm shaking my mind a bit about how well pre-registration is is working. And I think that uh, Nick Brown has been tweeting a bit about the uh, disappointment there, and, and we're seeing seeing reports of things that, oh, this is pre registered has a pre-registration badge. Yeah, and it's like, a tiny bit of the paper is pre-registered, and it, <laughs> it's not really following the pre-registration and, and all. So I'm, I'm being a bit disappointed with actually how how well that is going to turn out. Because I was really on on the bandwagon they say a, a while back, saying ah, yeah, everything's going to pre-reg- pre-registered and everything's going to be fantastic. But then again, that, that's kind of who I am. I, kind of positive in that sense with new things and new solutions. oh yeah, this is going to be great. And and you, you can probably find somewhere, if you look carefully in the social media, you can find me praising base factors like uh, uh, the, the solution to all problems of psychological science as well. I don't think that anymore. Um, uh, so, But I don't think I'm going to become too cynical about these things. I, I want to see that all of the, these ideas we have to proposed about change is going to actually work, but I'm, I'm realizing more and more that we have a few ideas, solution, and things aren't as easy to fix that it looked like in the beginning. I think that that's that's a major uh, um, rethinking I have done about the field that some of these issues are actually harder to fix than it looked like.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fear, fear the simple solution. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, uh, number two, uh, what is one book or paper that you would recommend that everyone should read?
1: Then I would definitely say "Statistical Rethinking" uh, Richard McElreath. It's a a really good book uh, on on statistical modeling, and and the thing about it it's it's about it's a Bayesian course uh, based on uh, doing Bayesian analysis in R. But that's not really really the point about it. You can you can read it. And not care a bit about Bayesian methods and that, but, but it's it's so good because it's a a way to think about building statistical models rather than just um, using canned methods, right? Because I think that most people in psychology they grew up on a, and learn about. Using canned methods and the, how you know how, how to flow chart. What do you have? Like, you start here and then, oh, is your data like this, then go there and there. And then, and then you you have, oh, yeah, yeah. Then I go there. Oh, it's the it's Friedman or is the ANOVA or is multiple regression and so on. And you learn about the fixed weight. So, and Richard McElroth really tried to uh, challenge us to rethink this and think about okay, you have something, have phenomena. How do you build a statistical model from scratch trying to understand it? And I think mm. that, that that's really important. And and of course, for me, maybe it wasn't so new for me uh, because my background is from. Uh, I, I used to be a, a teacher assistant in a in a stats slash econ econ department, so I, I learned a bit about that kind of thinking of statistical modeling from from the start. And I think that that really gave me an edge all the time of thinking about stats as models but i think that this is really a good book that everybody should should just yeah read a bit about it (laughs) at least i can understand that not everybody is going to commit to this is essentially a full course in 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 Bayesian modeling i understand people are not Mm. going to do that and i wish there were some kind of you know, statistical rethinking—the short version. <laughs> 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 uh, statistical
2: rethinking, re- but not that much. Yeah. yeah, just a
0: little bit of rethinking.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but, but maybe, the, um... its not possible. Maybe, maybe it's
1: just that you have to you have to sit down with a, this big big book and and, and uh, your art script and really try and, and, and think about, about things differently.
0: Yeah, I even the first few chapters of that book are, are quite eye-opening. Um, I think you're now the second guest that's actually recommended that book. And we had a few people, I think, who had told us over Twitter that we have to get uh, Richard on the show. Um, and after all that, I'm like, I have to actually read this book. And, yeah, I, I agree. It's, <laughs> um, it was, it's really good. Um, and uh, you just, yeah, you sit there. You sit there with the R scripts. You, you, you work through it. And the way that he lays it out is, uh, is fantastic. So, yeah. uh, we'll definitely uh, link to that book in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, but uh, thanks, thanks for joining us, uh, Rick. Um, if you if you do want to follow uh, Rick um, online on Twitter, uh, his Twitter handle is Rick Carlson, R I C K C A R L S S O N. Where else can people find you online, Ricard?
1: Mostly in the Facebook group, Psychological Methods discussion group. Uh, I'm quite active there.
0: Okay, we'll, uh, we'll we'll link to that for sure. But uh, thanks again for joining us, and. Thanks for yeah, we'll, uh, we'll chat soon, hopefully again. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy Everything Hurts, the best way to support us is to spread the word on social media. Our Twitter handle is Hertz Podcast and you can find us on Facebook by searching Everything Hurts Podcast. That's H-E-R-T-Z. If you have any comments or suggestions, please let us know. Our Twitter and Facebook inboxes are open. You can also email us at everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com. That's everythinghurtspodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back again in two weeks for our next episode. Catch you then.